This is John from Polymath Producer, and today I'm doing a music production analysis of the song Just The Way You Are by Bruno Mars, produced by his production team, The Smeasantons. And the reason why I wanted to do this track is because we did 24 Karat Magic this week as well. And I wanna see the parallels between the two, how his style has developed over time. This one's a lot more minimalistic than the other one. So you can see how they've used minimalism in this one compared to 24 Karat Magic, which was a bit more complex. Before we do that, spots have opened for the Polymath Producer system. So if you're an ambitious music producer who wants to be able to get any idea they have from their head onto their DAW with ease, have a world-class solution to every single problem that you face intuitively, then I highly suggest you go to polymathproducer.com. Every time I reverse engineer tracks like this, the solutions to any problem that I personally face behind the DAW are going very deep inside my mind. So I start to intuitively think how the producers think that I'm analyzing. So today we're gonna to be starting with just the baseline. Now, in the verse, you'll notice that there is no bass in terms of bass, like bass guitar or synth bass. The bass is actually covered by the kick. The first time an actual bass comes in is here in the chorus. Big sine wave sub bass. I don't even know if that's going to be coming through the, the microphone. But it's basically a big sine wave. It's got a bit of top end as well. And all it's really doing is it's outlining the root notes of the core harmonic structure. And I believe that this track is really only three chords for the whole song. So it's a very simple bass line, just sustained. And then the drums over the top create the rhythmic movement. So it's a bit of a marching rhythm, straight kick. Just with the kick and the bass, it's very simple. Very minimalistic. So I wanted to start with that just to show that like this song, its bass is very simple. But in this section, the bass is like very effective because it's so deep and so wide. Like when, you, when it comes in, it just really impacts the song. I think it's that contrast really it's the contrast between the sections that really make the bass more impactful because in the verse when you've got just the kick covering the bass and maybe a little bit of piano bass there's no actual bass synth in it so when it finally hits it just creates this big moment it's a lot lighter a lot lighter feel which is actually congruent with the lyrics Now the bass in the piano starts to come in later on, but it's not very thick. Now I think the reason why they can get away with this is because the drums are actually very active. The kick core rhythm is actually different in the verse than just the chorus. But let's just stick to the bass for a second. Watch how impactful it is when it comes in. And this is a common technique that's used in modern production, reserving the sub bass frequencies or the bass frequencies in general for the key moments of the track. It's a very common modern production technique. So if you have a song where you, you want to reserve that big impact for the chorus or the drop, this is a technique you can use. Now in the kick, as I mentioned just before, the core rhythm is changed between the verses and the choruses. So have a listen. 
that's at the start in the intro. The interesting thing to note here is that the kick sample actually changes depending on the section. So in the chorus, it's a bit, it's a different sound, different layers, different sound. But in the, in the verse, it almost sounds thicker, like bigger. Now the reason why they've done that is because in the chorus, when they've got the sub bass, the sub bass is so full and big that they may have need to, needed to take off some of the, the bass frequency from the kick so it doesn't clash too much. But in the, in the verse, there is no bass. So they can have more low end in the, in the verses because that's the only thing that's taken it up that low end. And if you notice, it's actually... a lot more active in the verses. There's a lot more kick drums in the verses. And another thing I want to note with the verse kick is that they've used a technique similar to the Benny Blanco from Diamonds, one that we analyzed a few weeks ago, where the kick, when it does when it does hits that are off the beat, they're lighter hits. So they've actually reserved lighter hits for the different um, placements of the kick. So on the main beats, they've got a harder hit. And then on the on the extra little kicks they got, it comes a, a little bit lighter. Have a listen. So if you can hear that. Ready? Lighter. Lighter. Now it's big. But when they have those like do doom, do doom, do doom, do doom, do doom, do doom, those little ones just before the big ones, those are lighter in sound. So it's the Benny, it's like the variation of intensity. So when you have variation of intensity in your kick drum, it's almost like it's humanized. It's like a real kick that's being played because the human who's playing the drum kit could do that if they wanted to. So with the samples, I'm pretty sure it's sample based, they've they've done that. They've made it more humanized and put more variation of the intensity of the kick so that in the verse, when you've got the drums with it, the ones that do doom, those ones are lighter. It just feels more human. But then when you get to this section, a lot more, it's just consistent. That's, that's the kick and that's really how they've moved it around for the different sections to have it make sense. So the drums in this track are very unique. They have a vinyl crackle behind them, which gives this really like nice character to the track. When the verse starts, the vinyl crackle starts. And it's actually quite noticeable above the entire track. You can really hear it. Very prominent vinyl crackle. Just gives us this nice character. Now, the kick, snare, and snare roll. It really sounds real. It actually does sound like a, a person has actually played a drum kit with this. 
the, re the reason why I say that is because the snare hits are more, they're more like the intensity of the snare hits changes. It's, it's very humanized. And if they've done this with samples, they've done a really great job at making it sound more humanized. And you notice how the snares, like the snares on the two and four are very much louder, but the ones in between that are a lot less intense. Bit of a snare roll there. And if you listen in a very, 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 very subtle behind everything, I'm pretty sure there's a clap loop that's going on the on every eighth note. It's very subtle. Bit of a reverse crash for the transition, and then this is into the chorus. So very March style hi-hat sort of rhythm. Reverse cymbal crash for the transition. And then they've got this real like tribal tom rhythm. So what they've done is they've got this rhythm to start with, this hi-hat rhythm at the start of the chorus. And then when this tribal tom drum comes in, they've continued this over the top. So it's two rhythms at the same time. Now, I think the reason why this works so well is because you've got the straight kick rhythm that's playing in the background. So it's, it's very straight. You've got the hi-hat rhythm that's playing this, that's also straight. And then when you introduce the toms that are doing a counter rhythm, they sort of follow the straight rhythm and then they go counter. So they, they follow the, the hi-hats like like that. So they, they go syncopated near the end of the phrase. So they sort of start to go a bit counter. I just want to note how simple all of this really is. Like you got one kick, could be laid with multiple kicks, but you've got just these toms. They've got quite a bit of reverb on them. And then in the background, you've got this Simple hi-hat loop. And then all together. That's really the drums. That's all they really do. It's just the contrast between the verse drums, which are a bit more active, and they include the snare. It includes way more kicks. But in the chorus, it's got a straight kick. The rhythm changes completely. So the core rhythm changes between the verse and the chorus. The intensity comes from the marching sort of hi-hat um, hits and then the tribal drums, like the tribal, tribal tom drums. 
And then there's a slight counter rhythm there as well that kind of causes a bit of conflict there um, with the tom drums and the other rhythms. So when you're creating energy, a lot of the time counter rhythms can create that energy if you can create healthy conflict. But remember, this is very simple what they've done. They haven't gone over the top with it. They've got a straight kick rhythm, a straight hi-hat rhythm, and most, for the most part, a straight tom rhythm. But then the tom goes a bit counter rhythmy, and that causes healthy conflict. Now, the piano in this track basically plays the same thing throughout the entire song. It's this. Basically repeats that through the whole track. There is more bass at certain points, like this one. So they add more of a bass end as the track progresses. And that's mainly because they don't actually have bass in the verse sections. So the piano kind of takes that role um, along with the kick. And that's basically what the piano does. That's verse two. That's chorus two. That's the outro. That's the breakdown. So yeah, it's basically the same thing through the whole track. But as you can sit, as you can notice, the piano plays the main secondary motive. Yeah, I want to repeat that again. The main secondary motive. Foreground, background principle. At any given time, there's a primary hook, a secondary hooks, plural, and hidden hooks. This one really outlines the key secondary instrumental hook of the track. So if you notice, the, like the key hook, the primary hook, is probably the vocal. When the vocal isn't present, then that secondary hook that the piano plays becomes the primary hook temporarily. But when the vocal's in, the vocal is the primary hook, especially that just the way you are, like that line, primary hook. This piano is outlining the key instrumental secondary hook. And you'll notice that as the track, as the track progresses and more elements get laid, other elements layer that key hook. So here's the synth that comes in in the chorus. Key secondary instrumental hook, layering the piano, an octave higher. Sort of this atmospheric type synth, but it's literally just outlining the piano melody. And that doubles the piano melody in the chorus. So when you have the chorus, it just adds that extra width in the frequency spectrum. When you're trying to add energy to your track and arrangement over time and develop energy, um, one of the main ways to do that is to make it deeper and higher. So say the verse is like in the mid frequencies like this, and then when the chorus comes, wind it out. And that's exactly what they've done in, that, in this track. They've got higher synth. They've got a synth bass that really has the low end. Now this breakdown section here, that's probably the climax of the song and they've got strings come in so they're playing this synth line and then strings come in what's cool about this is that they've got sustained pad strings so that the pad strings are really adding that that glue so they're gluing everything together 
and it's playing with the bass as well. So there's sustained strings in the background, quite subtle. And then around the same frequency spectrum, maybe a bit higher, you've got arpeggiated strings that are going like that. Kind of sounds like they're just going between two notes, like that. What that does is it adds a lot of intensity to the section because the more notes you're playing, basically with the strings, the more intense it's gonna it's gonna become. And they've really used it as a counter rhythm. So they've got the sustained pad strings, they've got the sustained bass, they've got a straight kick. So it's all it's all very straight. The piano straight. Very straight rhythm. And then all of a sudden, chaos. So it's playing like quicker notes. It's still straight, but it's just quicker notes, so it sounds more chaotic. In the finale, they've actually inverted this. So they've actually got the sustained pad strings louder in the finale, and the strings that are doing this sort of arpeggiation thing, they're lower. So this is the finale. So they've actually inverted it in terms of uh, foreground background, which is a very sneaky, like subtle move. Very awesome stuff. So, I mean, that's a, that's a key principle there. It's like inversion. Like how can you invert things to actually repurpose it in different ways for different effects and different moods of what you want? Like in this section, they wanted it to be more chaotic. So they've got the arpeggiated fast ones more in the foreground and the pads more in the background. But in the finale, they've got the pads more in the foreground and the arpeggiated ones more in the background. They still want it to be present, but not so intense. Now, they've got a few like synth rises and transitions and things like this. This is just before the verse. Which is cool, because they've introduced the vinyl crackle in, in the effects transition. So it starts, starts with that sort of vinyl crackle. And that transition really is the same one that happens before every section change. So they've basically just copied and pasted it. Again, that was that was for for the other one as well. And you know, copy and pasting is not a bad thing. Like a lot of the time, because like in in a lot of the other tracks that we've analysed, we've see, sort of seen how transitions are changing a lot between like before sections. Like there's different types of transitions before different sections and they vary for everyone. And if the song calls for it, then that's a good approach to do because you can make your, sound, your song sound very unique that way. But then again, it's okay to actually repeat ones that you've created. So you could do the same fill over the, over the majority of the track. For example, Be My Baby, one of the biggest tracks of all time produced in the 1960s, it had snare fill that repeated the and that fill in itself became a hook. So you really got to think like with my fills, with my transitions, do I want them to vary a lot? Do I want this track to be kind of unique in the way that it progresses? Or do I want it to actually like be the same so that these things become hooks that repeat again and again? And either way is fine. The way they've done it in this 
is completely fine. Like it sounds like they've just copied and pasted it for the different sections, but that's okay. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do like a crazy different transition for every section. Sometimes simple is actually better. And um, you know, it really depends on the song at hand and, and what your intuition is telling you to do. But now that you've got both options, you can try both and see which one works better. In the chorus, they've got sustained strings that are like pads that are above the bass. So that's filling out the pad section with the bass, flowing with it. And if you notice there, they have a very high sustained synth that's also flowing with the bass. So you've got the bass doing sustained, you've got strings doing a sustained pad, and you've got a synth that's sustained, and then it doubles the key hook of the song when it happens. Have a listen. That very high-pitched sustained sound. Ready? Doubles the vocal when the vocal sings that line. Repurposing principle, repurposing key hooks in instrumentals. And when you smile, but it still sustains. Doubles the key vocal hook of the song. Now, the other thing to notice in this part is the bells. So this is the chorus. They got bells. And those bells. I believe in the absence of a snare and clap on the two and four, these bells almost replace that because they're giving that pulse on the two and the four. Now they've harmonized the bells. So as the chorus has progressed, energy progresses, adding more layers of the same thing. So it's the same thing, same rhythm, different layers, higher up. More frequencies, more layers equals more energy. So they've really, the, the energy principle, they're really honing in on here in a very subtle way. They've added subtle layering in terms of like octave layers. They've got bass, they've got the high synth sounds, they've got the pads in the mid frequency, they've got the bells to emphasize the two and four, and then to make the subtle energy movements in the second half of the chorus, they've added the toms and the bells above that as well. Yeah, they've got higher strings sustained as well. So energy development really comes with frequency as well, but you don't have to get complicated about it. You could actually just layer the ones that you've already got and just put like more frequency spectrum, like width. Yeah, it just enters in. Very subtle, very effective. Like simplicity, but done in a way that's very artful. Very artful. Like their energy development in this is so subtle. The average listener wouldn't even know what's going on, but it's so good. Like it's, they've just really nailed it. Now with the vocal, You've got two-part harmony at the start. Very old school, very 50s, 60s type. C 
sounds like a bit of a uh, pack vocal as well. Like it sounds like multiple people are doing it. We talked about that in 24 Karat Magic where Bruno Mars's stuff is very stamped with that sound. Uh, he's always using pack vocals in his tracks and it gives it that very unique feel, that very Bruno Mars feel. And they've probably done that on purpose. I also spoke about that in the Queen track, Don't Stop Me Now, that we did last week, where you can stamp your tracks with a certain vibe if you repeat it over multiple different tracks. So with Queen, it's like the sound of Brian May's guitar or the sound of their pack vocals in Queen because all the band members sing. So it, it, it sounds very unique to them. Same with Bruno Mars. I'm pretty sure he uses the same guys his same songwriting team, the same singers in his band and everything to record in all of his tracks. So his vibe always sounds the same. And that's awesome for his brand because it's almost like he's branding his music with his unique vibe over the course of multiple different tracks. And when it comes to building yourself as an artist producer or an artist in general, that's something that you can actually bring. You can bring that vibe to all of the different tracks that you do. You can see that as a good thing or a bad thing, like in, in a good way, it brands your tracks so that your tracks actually have that similar vibe over a long period of time, even if you change styles, exactly the same as Bruno Mars has, like in 24 Karat Magic sounds completely different to this song. But there's elements from this track, like those vocals that we just heard then, that carry on into the future tracks that he's done. And even the drums, like the way that they've done the drums and everything, like they've used tribal drums and, and not, not very traditional core rhythms and things like that. If you listen to Grenade, that song Grenade by Bruno Mars, done in the same era as this one, the drums actually quite similar to this one in terms of like the big Tom tribal drums and stuff like that. They've got this very unique mixture of, of genres that they've used to create the sound. And I think that's really key there. If you can cross pollinate different genres and really the, the technique building blocks of different genres, that's how you find your unique sound. And your unique sound is really built off of your own influences, what you like, but also what the market likes as well, what you like, and also the techniques that you know from like childhood and stuff, like the stuff that's subconsciously influenced you over a long period of time without you even knowing are some of the techniques that you gravitate towards. So all this makes an influence. And then when you when then and then when you add collaboration into the mix, that makes it even more complicated because then you got their side of the story and it all mixes together and then you get this sound. That's basically it. So um it's very cool when you can do it effectively. He's just got like effects that carry over in between phrases. The, the vocals are actually quite simple in this. It's mainly a single line, and then he introduces a bit of harmonies in the second verse, I believe. Get so sexy like the harmonies just start coming in there. Oh, you know, you know, Two-part you know, harmony above. Never ask you to change. If perfect's what you're searching for, then just stay the same. So don't even bother asking if you look okay. You know I'll say. Bit of a change in the end of the second verse, just before the second chorus, adds a little bit of intensity, a bit of, bit of variation. When I see your face, big vocal throw in between phrases. big vocal throws because the phrases are so far apart. And if you notice, this is more of a songwriting thing, but have a listen to this. In the verses, the melody is quite active. 
Have a listen to the vo- verse oh, vocal melody. Her eyes, her eyes make the stars look Very like active. Not shining. Her hair, her hair falls perfectly without her trying. She's so beautiful. And I tell her every day. Very active melody. Now in the chorus, have a listen to this. I see your face. Sustained, held, distance That's in between. And that's really a pop songwriting principle where you use contrast between the sections to make them more effective. So in the verse, you may have very active and in the chorus, it goes prolonged and sustained or vice versa. Maybe the verses are more sustained and prolonged and then the chorus is very active. But if you have that contrast, it makes the song more interesting, the song itself. A thing I want to note here is that in the in the 24 Karat Magic one, if you notice, there was like no space in between vocal phrases. There was always like a hype vocal singing or a background vocal singing. And that works for that style of track. Whereas this one, it's almost more of a ballad. Not really a ballad, but like it's more of like a, a mid-tempo pop ballad. So there is no need to do that stuff. Like for this feel that they're going for, they've allowed space in between phrases. Have a listen to this. There's just space. Because the piano is so prominent with the secondary hook, that kind of takes the room. Like that takes the space in between when the vocal isn't seen. Um, so they haven't felt the need to put anything extra in and overdo it. And that's what's so special about this track. It's because they've used the simplicity and they've gone they've gone with it. Like they haven't tried to overdo it. Yeah. It's very easy to try and overdo things in production. A lot of the time it's what you take out that truly counts. The only thing they've added in for the second half of that verse is just the lower piano bass. That's changed it already. It's just added that subtle bit of depth. Now they've added extra the extra elements. They've got the bass, they've got the string pad, they've got the synth that goes high up that doubles the, the main hook. The vocal has become now sustained. They've got more active, um, like they've got like a straight closed hat. They've changed the kick drum pattern to be straight now. Like so much stuff changes in the chorus and it just hits you like, like all of it, this whole stack just hits you like really hard. This, this part's really light. Energy is light but active. Like the drums are active, the vocals are active, they're, they're, going, they're going quick. And this section hits you like massively, a whole lot, lot more layers. The frequency spectrum opens up. It's, it starts like this and then it goes like that. Vocals come in, sustain. It's really genius how they've done that, how they've kept it sustained and straight, but they've got the piano doing that motive in the middle and they've got the vocal doing the sustain. Like, I think it's amazing what they've done with it. And then they've got these quick rhythms that come in in the chorus as well. Make it more active. And just to top it all off, I love this. We talk about this a lot in a lot of the other trucks that we looked at is that they've used hooks and lines that they've used earlier on for the finale, but now they've stacked them as one thing. Ian Kirkpatrick uses this a lot. Have a look at this. They've, they've reintroduced the two-part harmony of the vocals. And when you smile, the whole world 
that's just right. repurposing principle in effect. That's really all I have for that one. As you can see, they've really taken a simplistic approach with this one and used very subtle energy development throughout to really progress the track. And um, you really use the core, the core you know, energy principle. And um, they've used all the principles really well, like the interdependence principle with the flow of all the tracks sort of moving as one with the sustained, but then they've got the one that's flowing with the melody of the vocal, main hook. They've got the, the one that's flowing with the piano hook as well. So they're just flowing with the hooks, just flowing with the hooks. Um, they've got the repurposing principle. They've got the foreground background principle, interdependence, energy principle, use the space really well. Core rhythm changes, but stays active. And, and they've got counter rhythms to kind of make the energy move as well. So they've just used all the principles, all the fundamentals to perfection. And I had a lot of fun doing this one. Thank you for watching. If you want to learn how to read songs like a book yourself, I highly recommend going to polymathproducer.com. Go check it out, mainly for ambitious producers who want to take it to that next level.